0: All right. So you can scan that Venmo. Now, I'm going to I'm going to keep it 100 with you. OK, I've been in the 21st century for a while, but our pastor refuses to leave the 19th century. OK, <laughs> refuses. I've been asking for, for for Venmo or something for the longest time. And uh, finally, finally, because there was no other option, he went and started to have the we have a Venmo account. So you can go ahead and give that way as well amen and if i'm not missing anything else um so good to have you i just noticed you were sitting here this is my buddy um today we're going to be speaking about something that potentially can be heavy for some of us uh my prayer is that it's not heavy for all of us but it would be hard for me to believe that it wouldn't be heavy for some of us but i've i've entitled the sermon today it turns out it's not who you know Right. It turns out it's not who, you know. And I want to say a few things for the sake of clarity as we go through this before we go through the sermon, um, because I am going to say some things again that may be heavy to you. And I just want to make sure that whether or not it's heavy for you, it's not misunderstood. Right. If it's heavy for you, um, you understand where we're coming from. And the first thing is I'm going to say a lot about what we do. As kingdom people, I'm I'm gonna talk a lot about what what we do and how that makes us either true people of the kingdom, followers of Christ, or not. But I want you to understand, what I am not saying is that we can earn our place in the kingdom. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, you know, the term is worse righteousness. That's not what we're talking about. What I am talking about, though, is faith that is indeed active, right? A faith that saves and then produces works that are consistent with someone who is indeed a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Is that clear for everyone? All right. Amen. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing, we're, we are going to talk about something that is pretty controversial, especially in our current time, for good reason. I'm going to go deeper into into the sermon, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the ways that God is angry. Okay? We're going to talk about some ways that 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 when Jesus talks about... People actually being cast out of the kingdom. People actually not making it into heaven. Okay, and I understand that could be heavy for some of us. However, I want you to know that I do not believe, and I am not trying to proclaim God as some kind of angry ogre. Okay, that, that's not who I think God is. I, I, really believe, I don't believe that. I really believe that God is a lot more gracious than he is angry. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Okay, I think that the benefit, the blessing that we will experience as people in the kingdom, in the presence of God for all eternity will be far greater than however terrible, terrible it would be for those who don't get to experience that goodness. That's 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 my perspective. Um, I really do believe God to be. And so I do believe God to be that gracious. So I say all that to say that when we speak about God being angry, when we speak about him, casting people out of the kingdom, understand that I'm not trying to portray God as some angry ogre, but I am hoping that we can grasp what is true. And these things are true, as hard as they may be. All right. And the last thing, and this is just a review, we haven't spoken about the kingdom of heaven in a while, but when we talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, we're speaking primarily about two different facets or two different, I guess you can say, um temporally two different times in the kingdom the first is the here and now of the kingdom and that is wherever the rule and reign of the king resides essentially wherever there are people submitting to the rule and reign of God or the Lord Jesus Christ as king that is where his kingdom resides and so we are all living in his kingdom all members of his kingdom when we are submitting to him as the king the second thing the second time i guess you can say of the kingdom that we could refer to when we say kingdom of heaven or kingdom of god is the consummation or the fulfillment of the kingdom when jesus comes back at the last time okay and he takes all of us with him who have had faith to with him to be in heaven in that kingdom with him and he again casts the others out okay that second part primarily is what we're going to be talking about today as we talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god all right so Is that clear? Amen. It's clear. All right. You know, one of the things that uh, it took a while for me to kind of train our people up here is to be responsive during sermons. And I think we've had just an infusion of so many new people that it's kind of dwindling. When I say amen, I want to hear amen. 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 Praise at least from the older folks here. At least from you guys. Okay. Well, praise be unto God. So we're going to be. So the main idea You can go to that slide for me. Oh, is it? Could you go to that slide for me? There it is. All right. So the main idea, if you don't get anything else from our sermon today, I want you to hear that you must be known, known by King Jesus in order to enter his kingdom. Okay. you must be known by King Jesus in order to enter his kingdom. We're coming from Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30. You can turn your Bibles. Or you can just follow along as the text will come up on the screen. So beginning in verse 22 says, then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you. You taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see abraham isaac and jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of god but you yourselves are thrown out people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of god indeed there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last and this is the word of the lord please pray with me friends Dear Lord, thank you so much for another Sunday to come and worship. Thank you so much for those men and women who led us faithfully in praise. And thank you, God, that you are pleased to inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. We sense you here in a special way this morning. And we just we're just grateful that you want to be with your people. Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to be able to preach and declare your word. Lord God, I know it to be a privilege, and I know it also to be of great responsibility. And I pray for your grace, Holy Spirit, to help me, to empower me, to preach your word with clarity, with conviction. And I pray that you would make it effectual in the hearts and the minds of every person here that it would accomplish exactly what you sent your word forth to accomplish. Lord God, I indeed am unworthy and I am broken. I'm grateful that you choose to use broken vessels. May your name be glorified. Be with our children that they may hear your word on their level. And Lord, when time comes, you will draw their hearts to you and they too be saved. Bless and be with all those who are worshiping with us from home. May they sense your presence and your work in their hearts even there. Lord, I pray that that last day we would indeed be those who you say, enter in, because I know you, and not the opposite. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And so, um, a seasoned preacher, uh, he once told me that the mark of a good preacher or a preacher is that they will always say, it's kind of like, or it's like, right? In, in conversation. Um, in their sermons they'll always say it's kind of like or it's like Um, one person that does this all the time is pastor drew if you've spoken to pastor drew for at least at least 10 minutes at once if not more he will say more times he will say it's kind of like or it's like and then he'll connect it to something that he knows you're aware of in order to make clear whatever it is he's trying to explain to you for me it's always basketball it's always kind of like basketball No matter what it is. Now, if I didn't love basketball and play basketball, I would wonder why he doesn't say it's kind of like golf or tennis or chess. Right. It's always. But I do love basketball. So he he gets a slide there. But the reason that a good communicator or preacher will always give you it's a kind of like or it's like uh, stories because they want you. They want to be clear. Their greatest desire in communication or in conversation is clarity, that you walk away understanding exactly what they mean. And the master of the it's kind of like or it's like stories is Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus rarely, if ever, taught anything without using a simile or a metaphor and it's kind of like or like story. That's precisely what the parables are. And so in our our passage this morning, someone asked Jesus a fairly loaded question. The question is a yes or no question. The problem is that the answer isn't as simple as a yes or no. It's a loaded question. And so Jesus gives them, not, not quite a it's kind of like, but he gives them the answer that's more fit for a loaded yes or no question. When the answer isn't yes or no, you typically go, well, here's the thing, Right? Right. Like, you know, when you were dating that guy or girl and they said they loved you kind of too soon and you were like, well, here's the thing. Right. That's kind of that's that's what's happening in this story with Jesus. He asked this this loaded question. Right. Of of will few people be saved? Will there only be a few people in the kingdom of heaven and so Jesus answers, here's the thing. The kingdom of heaven, the place where the true people of God will live and spend eternity, it's kind of like a door. And not just any door, it's a really narrow door. It's a small door. In our English translations, it's, they say work or, or make every effort to enter through that door. But the original language, the actual word, actually means to struggle. And so what Jesus is telling them, he says, struggle to get through that door. Entrance into the kingdom of heaven is a narrow door. It's a small door. And there's a lot of people who are going to try to get into it. So you struggle to get in to that door. And friends, I'm going to tell you something that's not all that secret. The Christian life is a struggle. Amen? The Christian life is a struggle. Entrance into the kingdom of heaven is a struggle. As I thought about this, I thought about social media, and for a long time, a lot of you guys have known this, I've shared about it a lot, because it has, it has sincerely been a struggle for me. I really believe that social media is the social medium of our time. I really believe that the mindsets that people have been trained up to have now is that it's not real. It's not important. It's not life altering. It's not it's not anything of any significance unless it's on social media. That's just where we live. okay? but I've struggled because as I go through social media, I'm rarely encouraged. I'm usually depressed. I'm usually more anxious. I'm usually saddened. And for me, if this is the realm that we do our most highest and most important communication, where in the world are we heading as a society? But that's what it is. And I think that as Christians, we have to figure out how we're going to navigate it, if we're going to have impact. But one of the things I've struggled with, as I just said, is that it just seems like the same unhelpful, unhelpful, negative, and cliche things are just posted and reposted and circulated. And I was having a conversation with Pastor Drew, and I was like, man, what is this? Why is everybody so negative? Why is everything on there just so unhelpful and depressing? And he helped me understand. He said, Leon, it's not that every, every person on social media whoa it's not that every person on social media is posting negative things or depressing things. He said that social media, really, it's an echo chamber. And what you have are the same people with similar personalities and perspectives in your friend group posting the same kind of negative things over and over again so that you get the perception that it's tons of people posting the same things over and over again. When the reality is it's just a few over posters, as I like to call them. Right. Those posters is doing too much, as the kids would say. But one of the things I saw on there recently was actually a little bit encouraging. It was a post. And again, several people post. I think once you get one good quote on there, I mean, I don't know how quickly it's going to get copied and pasted or reposted or whatever. But um, somebody posted said that um, enjoying life is a spiritual discipline. And when I saw that, I thought to myself, that's pretty refreshing, you know, especially for somebody like me. I I came up in Christian circles where, you know, you were kind of taught that the Christian life, the purpose for your life is just to suffer and be a poor, sick, lowly, humble peasant that dies and is forgotten, you know. So hearing hearing this, you know, it was refreshing to my soul. I mean, I mean, seriously, it was. Because I do think that enjoyment of life is a good and godly thing. The Bible says it. I think it's a really good thing. However, I think that Christians need to heed and take in ideas like this cautiously. Because while enjoyment is indeed good and godly, enjoyment that honors the Lord, while we are still in this flesh, in these bodies with sinful desires, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Belonging, succeeding, enjoying, influencing, they are all great things. But for the kingdom person, the Christ follower, the believer, belonging, succeeding, and enjoying and influencing in ways that are contrary to our flesh or our sinful desire and consistent with living the way that God is calling us to live is a struggle. And so in a similar way, what Jesus is saying here is that entrance into the kingdom is like squeezing through a little door. It's a struggle to get through. it. You guys ever been to the Dwarf House? You guys been to the Chick-fil-A Dwarf House? You know the little door? We took our son to the Chick-fil-A Dwarf House the other day and I had to squeeze through that thing about six times. We just kept. We just loved that it was his size. And I tell you, but Chick Fil A, boy, they some godly folks over there. Because right in the front of the building, they got an illustration of what it's like to get into the kingdom. The narrow door. The straight way. It's like the door. And what's more, brothers and sisters, there will be many people seeking to get through that door. And the unfortunate thing is that they will not make it in. They will not make it through. Now, I know this text has been used erroneously by some people. To, to, to purport, to explain the idea of election or the idea that God chooses some people to be saved and, and other people to not be saved. But this passage is not about that. That's not what Jesus is getting at here. And Jesus goes on to explain the difference between those who struggle to get in and those who seek to get in but do not. And he tells another, it's kind of like, story. He tells a story about the master who, who shuts the door to a house, right, leaving some people outside, and when the people are knocking and knocking and begging to come in, Jesus essentially tells them, no. Not, well, the master of the house essentially tells them, no. No, because I do not know you, and I do not know where in the world you've come from. As I was writing this, um, this sermon, this part is free, by the way, so um, I was writing this sermon uh, It's like the Lord just does this often, gives me real life examples. I'm I'm writing. I had to move my office to to our front window right by our front door. And so I got my desk there. I'm writing and I see a woman walking up the street and she's angry and she's like pointing. And I could tell reading her lips she's saying some choice words. And, um, I had some, some workers at our house doing some work in our basement, and so I thought, man, this is one of the neighbors, she's upset that we have trucks in the road, and there's, and I hadn't seen her before, but sometimes people are staying with people you don't know, so, so she walks, and sure enough, as soon as she gets to my driveway, she turns and comes with purpose, and she's angry, so I thought, definitely this is, you know, she's coming for this, and so I open the door, and as soon as I see the lady, I think, oh man, something's not right, and, uh, she she's angry and she sees me and she goes on um, she goes oh uh, she goes I was born a celebrity and she says I know who you are and she goes uh. uh never mind I just want to say you have a nice neighborhood and uh, before she said that I asked her several times can I help you can I help you and she goes uh, I just wanted uh, you have a nice day and she walks off right and I thought to myself there's no way I'm letting this woman into my home because I don't know her, right? And if she had tried, if she would persisted to get into my home, I would have not let her because I don't know her. And that's exactly what happens with the master of this house. These folks are knocking on his door, and he's looking at them and saying, listen, I know you want to get in here, but there's one problem. I have no idea who you are or where you've come from. And then Jesus says, then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evil now there's something here as we just read over it that we may miss when jesus is telling the story to the people the person who asked notice how he responds he tells this person he says then you will reply then you will say it's very interesting because jesus rarely tells a story but relays the person to whom he is speaking as a part of the story. But he does this with great intentionality. He's speaking to Jewish people as he's on his way to Jerusalem. And there was a very interesting idea that Jews had in this day, which blew my mind. I didn't know it was real. You could tell. It makes sense today as you think about um, Jews and Jewish nation this way. But there was actual writing in their extra-biblical writings that they considered scripture that taught Jews. That regardless of how they lived their life, merely by being descendants of Abraham, they were entitled to some kind of blessing in the afterlife. They were entitled to be in that kingdom of God, that kingdom of heaven in the afterlife. Which is why Jesus says to them specifically, he says, you will see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob And the prophets in the kingdom, but you yourselves cast out. Because these Jews assumed that wherever Father Abraham and Father Isaac and Father Jacob would be, they themselves would be. You have to understand, this would have blown their mind. Are you understanding why they wanted to kill Jesus? The very thing that they were banking for their entire life here and afterlife, Jesus was telling them, you're wrong. You're not getting there. And they understood that this is what Jesus meant. They understood. And so what Jesus was saying to these people specifically, he's saying that there's going to be a lot of people who think they have a place in the kingdom, but will be terribly surprised to find that they do not. Can you throw up that picture for me real quick? How many of you guys know who this is? All right, just about everybody. I'm curious. Who doesn't know who this is? I am very curious. Okay, someone said Michael Jordan. You know, you know, oh, you know, Kim, Ms. Kim said she never watched sports. Okay, man, I should have used someone else. But no, this is LeBron James. All right. Definitely the greatest basketball player of our era, whether he's the greatest basketball player of all time, is debatable, right? I say no, but that's okay. But he's a a beast. Um, This is LeBron James. Now, most of us, not all of us, know who LeBron James is. He just signed the highest-paying two-year NBA contract in the world, making $48 million a year uh, for two years. Man, I tell you what. I messed up somewhere. <laughs> all that time wasted studying when I should have been perfecting that jump shot, I tell you what. Man. But uh, this is LeBron James. He's also a billionaire now, so he's reached, he's reached one, one, $1 billion. Now, all of us, I'm sure, have experienced somebody coming to you and, and talking about them knowing somebody of significance, right? Somebody like a LeBron James. Like, hey, you know, oh, yeah, I went to high school with LeBron, right? I, I sat behind him in math class. We had the same lunch period, you know? Man, we went to the same parties, man. One time he was playing and the ball bounced off the court and I caught it, you know, while I was sitting in the stands, you know? And you're like, oh, okay, so hey, let me ask you a question. Uh, does LeBron invite you to his games when he's playing here? Oh, no, no. He, he invite you to that event he had? Oh, no then you realize they don't know LeBron. And what's more, LeBron definitely don't know them. And no matter how much they go to LeBron telling them about, hey, remember high school or remember that time I caught the ball, they're not jogging LeBron's memory. He don't know them. Right? They may have gone to school with LeBron or whatever, But they don't know him, and he's never known them. Friends, hear me. Just because we grow up in church, just because you were baptized as an infant, just because mom and dad and grandpa and grandma and everybody you've ever known were Christians and faithful believers, just because you know a lot about Jesus and about his bible does not mean that you know jesus and more importantly it doesn't mean that he knows you And you know what i think all of us are guilty of this kind of thinking at one time and another right this kind of thinking that because of who we are connected to because of those who we are around somehow we are entitled to know jesus to be in his kingdom and and for me particularly I know this was the case when, when I was a Pentecostal, right? And I looked over at those predestination maniacs, you know, those, those crazy people. And I thought to myself, there's no way that those people are going to heaven. No possible way. And then guess what God did? Made me a predestination maniac, right? And then I looked back at those Pentecostals and there's no way those people can be Christians. Right? Well how about when I was when I was right leaning politically and I looked over at those people on the left and thought there's no way that those people can be Christians And then I started drifting towards towards the left and started looking at the right and thinking there's no way that those people can be Christians. When we start to define our faith or the faith of others mainly by the camps we run with, we are admitting that the kingdom is more about our associations than knowing Jesus and being known by him. Okay? Knowing Jesus and more importantly being known by him means having faith means having faith and having faith in him means a whole lot more than just knowing about him or eating lunch with him or being around him and his people okay believing him in him means get this brothers and sisters please hear me believing in jesus means believing that he is who he says he is and submitting to him as the one who he says he is and here is here is who jesus is Jesus is the king of this kingdom that we are trying to enter. And the king is entitled to our devotion and our submission. Okay, Jesus is the king of this kingdom and he is entitled to our devotion and our submission. And on this topic of submission or devotion to Jesus as Lord, I feel there are primarily two camps of people when they hear these words. Um, There's the camp that's okay with hearing words like submission to Jesus as king and authority and Lord. And then there's another camp who just isn't, right? And for those of us who are not, I understand I'm I'm right there with you, actually. It usually has to do with some experience, negative experience that we've had with the people of God, right? Um, maybe you come from a church that used the name of Jesus as an authority to be legalistic and oppressive, right? To not really draw your heart any closer to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Right? Or maybe you know of ways that that Christians, maybe in your family, have used this to be used the name of Jesus as an authority to be to be oppressive, to, to do harm. I consider for me personally the atrocity that is chattel slavery in this country and how they use the Bible as a justification for chattel slavery. The ways the Bible, the name of Jesus, the name of him as king and Lord has been used for evil I want us to understand, brothers and sisters, okay, for those of us who are affected by this and should be, Jesus is more angry at these atrocities than you or I ever will be. And get this, he will enact justice. But I want to talk to those of us who struggle, who have an aversion to this idea of Jesus as authority and king. Because I keep... And I don't mean once or twice. I mean consistently. Consistently. I'm running into a lot of people who are saying things like, I love Jesus, but I ain't with all that church stuff. Or I love Jesus, but I ain't with all that Bible stuff. People have used it to wrong me and wrong others. And what I want to say to them first, I want to honor the pain and wounds we've experienced because they are real. But I want to say to us that the answer... The solution to the problems we face is not a denunciation or an overthrowing of Jesus as truth and the authority. What we need is healing from the wounds. We need to be healed from the wounds. We need to do the work of forgiveness for those who harmed us what we don't need to do is over, try and overthrow the king. Because when we choose to just love Jesus, but not obey him or submit to his authority, or to be counted among his people, the church, we are essentially committing to merely knowing about Jesus instead of really knowing him and being known by him. And Jesus doesn't mince words here. The imagery he employs here is clear as day. He says that those who think they know Jesus, those who think that he is okay with them just loving him but not obeying him in his word, will find themselves cast outside of the kingdom, wailing and gnashing their teeth, suffering apart from the presence of the king, who is God himself. While those who they thought were strangers, while those who they thought We're just giving in to the man, those who they thought were living with eyes wide shut, while those who actually struggled to enter through that narrow door, to live lives pleasing to the king, submitting to him, will be inside, reclining with the king, enjoying his presence forever. Let's take a look at verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, There will be weeping there, gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out, people will come from east and west and north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who will be la- who will be first. I mean, who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. And what I love about this verse is the idea of them taking their their place um, at the at the their seat at the table and the king, the feast and the kingdom. You see, in Jesus's day, there was very few things more intimate than enjoying a meal with someone at the dinner table. And what Jesus is saying here through this parable, okay, is that that's where there will be in that intimate place with God the king sitting at his table. And while the NIV here, this version of the Bible that we use um, when we use scriptures here, Um, When it says they will take their place at the feast and other versions of the Bible say something like they will recline or sit at the table. The actual word in, in the original Greek is a future passive verb that means that they will be reclined at the table. And what that means, brothers and sisters, get this. The king of this kingdom will not only set a place for them at the feast. But he will be the one meeting them at the door, ushering them to their seat of honor and seating them at his table in this feast in the kingdom to enjoy forevermore. Friends, when we realize that this is the king we serve, One who is preparing a table for us and is then himself coming down from his majesty in order to usher us to our place at the table. You not you not understand this because you are American folks, you all Americans. The king does not leave his throne for the people. We have a king who has left his throne in order to usher us to his kingdom. When we understand that this is the kind of king we have, we could not but love him and submit to him. Friends, he is kind. He is merciful. He is benevolent. He is good. And yes, he is king. So brothers and sisters, get to know him. Get to know King Jesus. Study and obey His Holy Word. Continue in the assembly of the brothers and sisters as screwed up as we all are. Continue in the assembly of the brothers and sisters together. Live a life pleasing to Him. Struggle to get through the narrow door. And at the last day, hear him say, hey, I know you. Hey, I know you. Come on in, thy good and faithful servant. Let me show you to your place at my table. Amen. And friends, this morning... Every Sunday, God shows us his mercy and grace and that he gives us another opportunity to accept that place at the table. And the only thing we need, friends, as I've said today, is but faith. That you would trust that Jesus, the King, the Son of God, the God-man, God in the flesh, left his throne, came down here, lived the life that we should have lived but could not. Died the gruesome death that we should have died, but because of his kindness, we did not. And is now resurrected, sitting on that throne with a place right next to him for all of us who would believe and trust in him. Friends, that's the gospel. And that's what we're trusting in to get there. That and that alone. Amen. Amen you're here this morning if you've never understood that you've never put your trust your faith in that today you're invited to do that you are invited to do that in a moment pastor drew is going to come up and lead us in communion and what communion is with that broken cracker that we dip in the grape juice it is a proclamation of that gospel that we've just talked about what king jesus has done He's promised to be present in a very mysterious way. Somehow, he is actually present in that cracker, which is his body, that juice, which is his blood. And friends, when we proclaim that in faith, taking of it, he's saving us. Setting that place at the table for us. If this is the first time you've ever heard that, and you believe it, you want that, I invite you to come up and take communion after Pastor Drew. Has come up. If you're still not clear, you're not sure what we're talking about, but you want to know a little bit more, we'll be here after service. Come grab one of us. Talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd love to see every one of us at that table. Amen. Let's pray, friends. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word, and indeed, I just pray that. You're doing the work in every one of our hearts because, Lord, all of our hearts need work. That we would be kingdom people and that, Lord God, um, we would accept the invitation to that feast. That we might know you and be known by you.